You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching, and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website healingbirth.co.nz. In today's episode, Kayla vulnerably shares her personal story of trauma and her path to healing. Her journey involves baby loss, meth addiction, home detention, surgery and the questionable fertility that ensued, menstrual cycle awareness, an unexpected pregnancy, becoming a womb doula, a healing home birth and the challenges of solo motherhood. It's a lot to encompass in a 90-minute interview, and pieces sit heavy on the heart, but Kayla's is ultimately a story of hope and courage, and the power we have to heal ourselves. Kia ora, Kayla. Welcome to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast. I'm really excited to have you share your story uh, with, with our listeners today. Um, and with me, like I've heard, I've heard bits of your story. We had a bit of a corridor the other day, um, but I'm really looking forward to unpacking it more with you. And um, there's lots of wisdom to be shared around your journey from from a traumatic start to motherhood to where you're at now with your um, newest little peepee, who's um, Lyra, who's you're wearing at the moment as I'm looking at you across the the zoom screen (laughs) um and so um yeah thank you thank you for being open to sharing your story thank you for uh creating the time and space and energy for this at this um I guess pretty you know taxing time in your life really hey new motherhood pretty taxing (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so welcome thank you I'm so honored to um yeah share share this journey of mine the depths of it um yeah thank you I just feel yeah very honored thank you for asking me awesome let's crack into it so I want to start off by um inviting you to talk with us about your first pregnancy and birth experience and how you were left feeling in the wake of that and and talk to us about the uh, coping strategies, the survival techniques really that you employed mm. at that time. Um, yeah, 
I my first birth was a stillbirth um, and I was I was 18 so 18 yeah 18 turning no nine, I was 19 at the time um, and what happened was yeah obviously I got pregnant and um, I kind of knew that something was a bit off um, and my partner and I at the time went to our well the first the 20 week scan and they found complications on that scan um, so we had some testing done and it, we found out that she had what's called Turner syndrome so it's only it's very rare and it's only found in girls it has to do with the chromosomal um, abnormalities so I think she had one less something like that I can't really remember um so yeah I was at, when I found that out I was obviously I was 18 and um with the te when the testing that came back I had to make this decision because they they said to me you know she could she could die um if I continued the pregnancy um or if I continued and she made it, there would be so many complications. So she had, um, she didn't have, her bladder didn't form properly, her kidneys didn't form properly. Um, there was lots of complications like that. Um, and so with the support of my family, um, they kind of helped me go through that decision-making process and, um, I decided to, I, I'm not sure what it's called. I don't like to call it terminate or, cause that just sounds so robotic, but um, yeah, I decided to let her go, hmm. I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I ended up spending a few nights in, Hamilton um, and that was in that was an induced birth um, it's still it's really it's a blur that so I don't really know how I was feeling at the time like I look back and I can see photos that I that I no longer have because um, that was part of the disassociating from that trauma I threw everything away right yeah um but I, I was I was smiling in this in this photo that I had that was taken of me and her in the hospital room um which is weird so um yeah I was just very numb and didn't I didn't receive in very much support um nobody knew how to help me because I, I <laughs> the way that I did deal with it was just numb everything out, shut everyone out. Um, and those coping strategies saw my addiction to meth get very, get much more extreme. 
Um, so yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't given any support, any tools. I didn't have any any tools to manage. Um, and yeah, that's how I managed. And my relationship broke up after that. Um, yeah. Were you under midwifery care? Were you getting support at least from a midwife? Should I can't remember. I oh I did I did have a midwife yet, but I all I got was a card I think. Wow. Yeah. yeah pretty sure because I yeah because yeah I just shut every, everyone out I just yeah I remember um yeah friends would come over and just the the curtains would be closed and I would just pretend I wasn't there. Yeah. What a nightmare. It was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good relationship with anyone in your family that at least you could? Yeah. Well, I was living away. Um, I was living in a different town. So I was I, I wasn't isolated, but I wasn't around immediate family support. Um but my parents would my family would regularly come up to where I was living um, and support us and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you, it sounds like you were in a little bit of your own little world of hell at that point in your life and that nobody was really offering any um any tools, any practical tools, any ways forward of moving through and out the other side of uh, of that nightmare experience. No, because I mean, I see that even now is that a lot of people we just we don't know how to support other people, you know, because we don't know how to support ourselves either, mm. and that that's part of the bigger issue. <laughs> It sure is. I mean, as a as a culture, we are uh, pretty afraid of death generally, and mm. um, and often uh, very ill equipped to well have had so little experience of being around death and talking mm. about it, and you know being supported through. The, the grieving process after we lose somebody close to us etc mm. um so it's no wonder that we don't know how to um support others when they are going through a loss experience and i mm. imagine this is compounded relating to your particular circumstances at that time you were a young mama who you know had this uh, baby who had a lot of complications so there, there may well have been and I you know um, I'm not putting words into your mouth because you haven't raised this with me but I know that and working with a lot of people who have experienced mm -hmm. this sort of loss there is that oh well it, it's for the better you know it's um, <laughs> that kind of mentality yeah What's yeah. the reaction you've just given then? Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's 
I've heard that many of times. Um, she's, you know, she's in a better place. And yeah. Um, well, yeah, that that didn't that didn't help me no. at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that's often the focus is is like, let's look at the positives here. You know, let's focus on what's good about the situation rather than saying, hey, you know, you deserve to feel whatever you're feeling at the moment and I'm here to sit with you through this and you know um hold space for you to 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 share or to cry or to um sit in silence whatever yeah yeah I I just can I can feel how just so that just makes me want to I don't know relax you know hearing you say say that and I can imagine how many uh, yeah other people as you're saying um have experienced loss and not had that yeah yeah so I know that around three years later after Haley's birth um you at about the age of 21 yeah um you were pregnant with your second baby mm -hmm. um, I don't know where you were at in terms of your mental well-being at that stage in the piece. Uh, but, yeah, share with us about what that pregnancy journey was like um, and about your birth and, and early postpartum. I kind of just want to backtrack a little bit because in that, in that whole mix, there was an incident prior to um, to Haley being conceived that span that really contributed to my my mental well being my my health mm -hmm. um, and that was a that was a, a car accident that happened and a guy died um, and. So I was I was dealing with that. So that was that was on top of me because I was the driver of the other of our car. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because I was dealing with that for in a span of like four years. Mm -hmm. um, and while I was pregnant with Zayden I was still numbing everything up because I was going through this court process um, I was going through trials and and things like that and I was I was facing possible jail time as well at that at that time so um and Zayden's father was in and out of my life I feel like I thought I was okay and I thought I was coping. Um, but when I look back now, I wasn't because I still didn't have any tools. Mm. I, yeah. Um, when you say you thought you were coping, what, <laughs> what gave you that idea? <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of like what you say about um, be positive about everything. Uh, that's a that's a very big message that, that I 
received from you know external from people um everything will be all right be positive um and i and i took that on so i just because i didn't have um people around me that could hold that space for me and i didn't know how to do that myself so so coping was you you seeing yourself as coping was you successfully suppressing your your darkness <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah wow yeah yeah and being able to like like focus on the positives and and just ignore push aside bury all of this stuff mm. right yeah. okay were you through your meth addiction at this time that you got pregnant yeah uh yeah I had I had stopped because I I left that place where I was living um and yeah I, I stopped for a number of years so did the court case uh did that happen before you got pregnant was that kind of resolved by the time you got pregnant or was that still no I was it was still playing out um that's that's why I that's why I brought it up because um yeah it was still very much playing out and I had this you know oh my god am I gonna have a, a child in, in jail mm. and um yeah I, I don't know it's all such a blur that that time because mm. uh, Jaden now he's 13 he's 13 now yeah we're talking 13 years ago yeah mm. Yeah, I was I was just dealing with Zayden's dad's stuff at then. I was trying to protect myself um, from his violence and um, alcohol abuse and all that 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 realm. Zayden's Zayden's birth was was great. It was. Um, his dad wasn't there though, um, which which sucked. Yeah, he was he was hospital birth, um, and it was like five hours from start to finish, and then I was home by lunchtime. I I had lots of support then um, with with uh, his with Zayden um, from my sister and my my nan and. So when I gave when I gave birth to Zayden, I had the uh, ankle bracelet on, which was very interesting. So I had spent almost six months in the four walls of of our house, of my house. So this um, was what this was your sentencing. You didn't end up. Yeah. But well, yeah. ended up in it. Your home was your prison for yeah yeah months. yeah right yeah yeah and how was that did that feel isolating was that um was that scary and hard or yeah what was that like no I was fine mm. um I think because I had well and truly by that time successfully learned how to suppress everything. Um, and pretend that everything was all good um, looking back now like yeah it wasn't all good um, but 
I had lots of support. I had my sister living, me and my sister were living together and my nan was up the road and my parents by that time had moved down to where I am now. Um, so yeah, I had lots of support and mm. I'm kind of intrigued to know at what stage in the piece you realized that actually you weren't okay, that there was this healing that needed to happen. But I suspect that might come through in you sharing about the next um, sort of phase of your journey, which the yeah, I know that when Zayden was little, you got into a long-term relationship with a guy who uh, you wanted to have a baby with. Mm. Um, and that there was a series of events that led you to believe that you were infertile um, and that took you on a journey which ultimately got you into your womb doula role, which, you know, I, I would love for you to share some, <laughs> some of that with us. But yeah, talk us through that phase of your journey yeah and I and I am intrigued to know if that's if that's where you began to unpack and understand the trauma that you were carrying yeah that it was you're right um so when I I did I I, I met a guy and we were together for about seven years um and so when I was pregnant with Zayden, at one of the scans, they said that I had a cyst on my ovary and we just left it because it, you know, quite common apparently. Um, and because I, ha I had moved around a lot, my notes got lost in, in transition many times. Um, so that, that cyst just kept growing and growing and growing and it ended up being 10 centimetres and I, um, ended up in A&E, uh, keeled over, um, and it was, wasn't until then that they decided that, okay, we better do something about this now. Um, so I had that. After Zayden's birth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after Zayden's birth, yeah. Yeah, so that was about five years, four or five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow, um, so it had been growing over a long time. If the, if it was discovered on scan when you were pregnant, and mm. you know Zayden would have been seven or eight at the time by the sounds. Yep. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of like this. I see it as this growth of accumulation of things that you know that happened energetically, and it grew into this thing that needed to be removed. Um, but yeah so I I had that removed and then I was told I can't remember if in like the pre-op check or plan that they said to me if they needed to remove my ovary would that be okay I can't remember that I gave my consent for that um and but yeah, that's what ended up happening. I, I woke up after surgery and they said, oh, we had to remove your left ovary. And I was I was so out of it still that I was like, oh yeah, you know. So <clears throat> yeah, that, that happened in that time. 
and yeah as you say it, that was when I discovered that there was this whole a whole lot of healing because this relationship that I was in was just a huge mirror of of a whole heap of stuff that I hadn't dealt with so so you and this guy um wanted to have a baby hmm. so you were trying to get pregnant you were had lost your left ovary hmm. and you were obviously unsuccessful at getting pregnant and starting yeah. to think maybe you're infertile hmm. I think I just I had adopted this belief contrary to the evidence that I had that I was gathering about it um that I was infertile um so I was going and getting blood tests and they were they were saying everything's fine um but I I felt like everything wasn't fine um and each each cycle came around and some cycles would be really long and there was this one cycle that was quite long um, and then about a week a week had passed um, and I just had this real bad pain and I feel like a loss happened then right. yeah um, when you say a week had passed you mean a week passed when you had been anticipating your bleed would start yeah yeah right. mm. Yeah, and so that was very real upsetting. Um, but and because I hadn't been on contraception since Zayden was like one, so I was like, why? Why isn't this? Why isn't this happening? Um, but yeah, that was the start of figuring out what was what was happening with me, um, where I needed to focus my attention on what was going on and what needed to be healed and it started with reading about infertility and getting books out about all of that and yeah I just went on I just went down this rabbit hole of all of, all of that stuff and that then that led me to discover menstrual cycle awareness and the inner seasons um, so I went down that rabbit hole and it was just this I had to start to trust myself and where I was being guided through my intuition um, despite a partner that was very unsupportive in my quest to do that um, looking back it just it wasn't meant to happen <laughs> I wasn't meant to have a, a child with him despite um wanting to so you ultimately through this uh following your intuition which just lights up my heart by the way <laughs> <laughs> um because I think that's freaking incredible when you have all this trauma behind you and you have had no guidance really to find those tools to support you on that journey 
um, that you were able to listen to, tune in to, and trust what was coming through internally um, is pretty massive, you know, because <clears throat> often when we're in a state of, of, of trauma um, and of unhealed wounding, we, um, we don't trust ourselves. We don't back ourselves in that sort of way uh, um it's, it's hard to believe that you know our inner voice could be something that um has any what was that is trustworthy is trustworthy is wise is yeah yeah right so so yeah how amazing that you you had this yeah, this inner guidance to go down this path and to really understand your feminine energy, your womb space, your menstrual cycle, and uh, all the energetics behind all that, um, and and that led you to become um, a womb doula. What's a womb doula? <laughs> a womb doula is someone that supports you um in past present and future so the womb kind of like houses humanity right and Māori call it uh te whare tangata so the house of humanity um which is the beginning the bit the beginning point of creation i like to think of the womb as as our own inner cosmos, our own inner universe. The womb space is all of who you are or all of who you have been in past lifetimes and all of who you are now and all of who you're here to be. Mm -hmm. So it's, if we think of that in terms of um, what a womb doula is, she supports you through those through those transitions in um, of life, um, death, and rebirth, um, through grief and whatever whatever that the person is going through, to be supported um, and to be guided and navigated through that healing process, because I believe that. Um, everything is stored in the womb. Yeah. Mm. How is it released? It's released through menstrual cycle awareness. Mm. Through mm. that, through that death phase. Mm. The, the phase that we all dread. <laughs> well, most of us. I'm not saying all because that, that's not truthful, but most of us read it. And that's the shedding, that's that's when we are that's, actually bleeding? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If, if at all, we're bleeding as well. Right. So you help, as a wound dealer, you help uh, people to understand where they're at, where they've been, where they're going, through understanding the um the well the physiology but more like the energetic kind of associations with the different phases of their cycle yeah okay yeah amazing mm. 
Beautiful. <laughs> we'll come back at the end to like, I know you've got, a, you know, a new um, baby at the moment and um, possibly your, your womb doula work is in a bit of a hiatus, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, if anybody wants to work with you or hear more about what you do, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of cover that a little bit at the end of the, of the interview today. Um, so, yeah, thinking you couldn't conceive, hmm. you unexpectedly discovered you were pregnant when you were <laughs> having a little bit of fun with a lovely friend of yours. <laughs> this is obviously after you'd broken up with the ex. Um, and at this stage in the piece, Zayden was 12. Yeah. Um, so yeah you how did this prospect of becoming a solo mum because you went with the guy who you got pregnant to um how did it feel for you uh did you know that you definitely wanted to keep the pregnancy what was going on for you like this must have been around a year ago yeah yeah it was a year ago almost mm -hmm. um well at that at that time you know as, as you say I was I was just having fun and I, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get pregnant, you know, mm. even though I knew that I, I knew that I was in the summer of my cycle. So I knew that I was in the week of ovulation, but it's never happened before. So, mm. and I've, and I've done it at that time. So I was like, oh, it won't happen. Um, and also at that time I had fully um, released that, that dream of, of um, my daughter returning I was like oh she's just not going to happen it's not going to happen anymore um Zayden's Zayden's you know I, I'm going to be a, a lot more freer in a few years time you know and my age was also coming into um factor um and then yeah when I discovered it I was actually really upset mm -hmm. I I didn't know what I wanted um, I spoke to friends about getting support to for early release um, outside of the system. Um, I spoke to her dad about about all of this. Um, yeah, I. How was he responding to it all? He was. He was. He's very supportive. He. You know, just whatever I want to do, he'll support me. Um, that was his. That was his stance on it. Um, yeah, but I was I was going through a range of range of emotions, and I had I had morning sickness as well um, for the first three months. It, I was it was it was horrible. I I was still very. It was coming closer to time where you know the cutoff point, and uh, I just I think I just got not used to the idea, but just accepted that actually this is a miracle, mm. and that even though even and that even though I had given up on the idea and and not wanted it to be not wanted it to happen anymore that everything I did in the lead up to it happening 
actually prepared that ground. I think un unconsciously I was still I was still working to that for a number of years. And then I don't know, I feel like, you know, when you people say when you give up, that's when it happens. <laughs> and that I feel like that's just how that's how it happened. Yeah. So I was having a connection to my to my menstrual cycle and actually having now having a relationship with myself and doing a lot of that that healing and inner work that I know that we're going to get into um, soon um, actually prepared me to be able to conceive and, and receive her because I feel like my kids have been gifts to me um, and, and, and in our own way. Mm. Yeah. And I've had to I've had to work to be able to be the mother that they need me to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, talk us through that. I would love to hear about the mental, emotional, spiritual journey you went on during your pregnancy with Lyra to prepare you for her birth and for this um, solo motherhood journey that you're that you're currently on um well I think as I said before I had done a lot of that that preparation and groundwork um to prepare for her her birth and stuff before that like it wasn't like I wasn't I wasn't interested in what the freaking nursery looked like or what bloody labels she has and things like that I was looking into everything outside the system so I wasn't I, did, I wasn't going to any antenatal classes I was looking online for um, classes that actually gave both sides of the, the story mm. I had to release a lot of the stuff from um, my last relationship because it was very it was it was very abusive and and toxic um, and so I had to work through a lot of that and the big thing that that I had to work through was this being told that I don't deserve to be a mother um, by by that person mm -hmm. um, and that for me that that the pain of that manifested in my in my pelvis um so I had like real bad achy achy pelvis it was it was real uncomfortable um so I had to again follow follow my intuition and follow that that inner voice that was saying to me you know I, I needed to get in touch with with the dark feminine <laughs> and move all of this energy out um, through drumming and um, listening to drumming music and um, doing like yoga poses and um, stretching and using the energetics of the depths of the feminine to move a lot of that stuff um, a lot of that 
the trauma and the the things that were were held in in that situation um and it, it's it's not hard, it's it's not hard these things to do because a lot of it is is at our fingertips like I use music to move through that and to and to invoke that uh, that um release through crying and you know I I had to I, I know at one point I said oh my gosh I can't let Zayden see me cry but that's that's just bullshit so yeah did that did doing that work um that inner work uh did that heal the the pain in your womb I wouldn't say that it was in my womb like I could I it's not pain that I can feel in my womb but because it's because all of that experience is stored there but the pain manifests in in you know my pubic bone ah uh, okay right yeah sorry your pelvic yeah. pain is what I probably should have said yeah yeah, yeah. it did a little bit so doing this um, like energetic clearing, this working through um, working through your emotions and through your your pain uh, to to release and kind of um, begin to come out the other side of that. Um, that's work that you would, encourage people to is a positive thing to do during pregnancy if it hasn't been done beforehand or is there any concerns about doing that self-work when you are carrying another person in your womb mm -hmm. when that, that energy there to protect as well or yeah I would love to hear your your view on that you kind of have to be open to it and you have to trust you have to trust that um yeah there's there's a lot of trust involved with it um and for me i i do that because i have created that that um level of trust with my body and with um myself um and i i wouldn't I wouldn't advise that someone just go straight in and do that because it that's something that needs to, you know, you need to be um, you need to be able to create safe space for yourself. Yeah. I love that that wisdom. Um, yeah, and what's coming coming through for me is the if you are able to um, if you do have those uh, those um, safety nets, you know that that kind of that that inner trust that you are, are safe to move through whatever's coming up, etc. Um, mm. Then 
yeah, moving through that uh, that pain, that grief while you're pregnant is, yeah, that's, I mean, your baby is going to be picking up on whatever you're experiencing. They're kind of simultaneously experiencing yeah. such as the nature of, you know, being hapu. But, um, but what you come out the other side of that, like, also energetically affects your baby as well. So having shifted to a more whole place, a more a, a more honestly positive, you know, like you you work through that stuff. You've got you've gotten to a, 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 a into a healthier um, mm. mental emotional space. That's got to be positive for your pregnancy too, right? Um, but I think also the other thing is like re really listening to your intuition, which you, you had been guided to do from well before you were pregnant. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if you are intuitively feeling that this is the right time to do the work, um, you can trust that that intuitive hit. And if you are intuitively feeling that, you know, you're not feeling safe enough or you need some mm. Or guidance or you know now is not the right time listen to that like your intuition you know it won't it won't steer you in the wrong in the wrong direction Never does. Never does. No. No. um yeah I just wanted to make a little say something else about that as well because um I also go off the inner seasons of pregnancy so <sighs> At the time I was doing that, I was in the autumn of, of pregnancy. So like right at the, you know, almost getting ready to go into that um, that passage of, of labor and birth. And I knew that I wanted to clear that. Like I knew that I wanted to clear that undeserving energy and um, all of that stuff because autumn supports Autumn supports the the um, release and the the decay and um, you know it's a it's a very reflective season and whatever whatever is coming coming up for you to to release and let go it's always very loud in autumn mm -hmm. so I was doing a lot a lot a lot of that um, because my belief is that um you know obviously whatever's stored here affects the the generation that's coming after and i really i i don't know if this this is this is true or not i don't i haven't seen this anywhere i just know that i've i've seen i've seen um <laughs> not not with my eyes you know i just it's this inner knowing that, you know, um, they have shown me, my guides or my my tipuna, um, that this is the path that I must walk, that I need to walk. Um, and yeah, it's it's my it's my belief that whatever I worked on for myself. And whatever I cleared while she was, um, while I was happy with her, that now, you know, it kind of, it stops with, with me. 
so she doesn't I don't need to bring um I don't need to carry that on yeah putting yeah. it into that ancestral trauma that ancestral wounding mm. it stops it stops with you and and yeah. your children don't need to carry that into their lives mm. and it's also the the society it's just all the programming if if the if the womb is is like this the that creation um portal then you know that that also is reflective of the the outer womb of the world mm. and all of that stuff that that affects us as individuals and and humans and um yeah it's just this um creating and birthing a new world for for our kids mm. you said much earlier on that your birth experience with Zayden hospital birth was you said it was a positive birth experience and yeah. then you've gone on um to describe this pregnancy as doing finding all that you need needed to prepare yourself for this next birth um outside of the system so mm. what what was it about you know you had a positive experience with Zayden's birth um in the hospital in the system you I imagine you were very uh, ensconced in the system at that point in your life and um <laughs> yeah uh, and then you do this work and you discover that actually the answers that you had previously uh, thought and been led to believe and had been conditioned to, to to believe were all outside of you right that the the the, the professionals knew uh, what you needed and how to safely get your baby born etc etc and doing this this inner work you discovered that actually the answers all come from within and mm. so I yeah I'm 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 developing this kind of uh, I, I guess vision that this is what you were talking about when you said that you were needing to find all the antenatal information and that sort of thing and like uh, planning for your birth uh, for you needed to be in sources that were outside of the system mm. is that is is that yeah. bang on <laughs> yeah okay all right yeah so what did what did birth preparation look like then for for this for, for Lyra's birth? Um, well, I you know uh, Bella and I had done a podcast on on free birth because I I really I really wanted to to have that, um, and that's what I was preparing for. Um, I. I had a midwife because with my, you know, with the with my first birth, with Haley's birth, um, I wanted to make sure that everything was was good because I I still had these, you know, those fears and doubts and and stuff around that. Um, so I engaged a midwife, um, and. I got the NIPT test, so that was that was fully funded for me because of because of Haley. Actually, that's a very good um, 
place to to start because a lot of a lot of the birth preparation was actually trying to prepare everyone else to be okay with my decision to Your decision to pre-birth or to have to to, to have a, a different birth than mm. what everyone else wanted me wanted to you know thought that I should do and that was presumably a, a hospital birth yeah yeah um yeah so I I had to prepare all of that stuff to to protect to protect me and, and my space and, and what I wanted um and to really trust what I and to trust that and to follow and to follow that through how did you navigate um, that? I had to draw on my own inner strength and I had to actually have, have conversations with people. And I made public posts on, on Facebook about, hey, this is, you know, because on Facebook it's mainly family and friends and um. It's interesting when you when you go against the norm, um, and also when you say, you know, in black and white, "Hey, this is this is this is what I want. Um, this is how I how I desire to be supported, and this is how I'm preparing myself." Um, I'm actually communicating this to you, and if you can't read the fine if you can't read that or understand that um then you know that's that's on you yeah. type thing yeah um <clears throat> what sort of response did you get it's I got a, I got different responses from from different people, um, but ultimately it, it was a positive it was a positive um, outcome. Yeah, um, I I I hoped that a lot of that birth prep for me was about um, getting well, you know, just being an example of for my sister, for example, you know, she. I wanted. I asked her if she would listen to a "How to Be a Great Birth Support" um, podcast, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, didn't want to do that." Um, but she ended up doing that, and I just hope that all of my, all of the decisions that I made, um, including with my midwives and stuff, that they got to see. A different, um, a different experience or a different way of someone preparing their surroundings and their environment for for this to happen, for mm -hmm. birth to happen. Because because the 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 narrative is usually you know you go and buy the clothes, you prepare the nursery, you 
have baby showers and yeah, I'd, I'm, I'm not for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I wanted to give like a, a textbook um, explanation or like answer for that question. That's why I went a bit blank, I think. <laughs> yeah. You're writing the text as that textbook as you as you share you know like uh, this is this is all about you claiming a very individual journey a journey that was as was meant for you and Lyra mm. and that there is no script <laughs> to follow for that yeah apart from the one that's that I wrote yeah that you that you wrote or writing is 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 you were, you know. As we were doing it, yeah. 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 So I I knew that I wanted, so, you, you know, the midwife, midwives give you um, birth wishes and stuff, and I, I just declined pretty much basically everything and gave, um, gave informed decision, um, and gave information on why why I, I was making this decision to back up that decision yeah so the birth wishes form and I, I didn't want to do that how they wanted me to fill that out so I actually wrote a month before she was born I wrote out how I wanted our birth experience to be um, and it happened pretty much like that. So I wrote that I was birthing, I was laboring on my own. Satan was here. It was early hours of the morning. I didn't write that my waters broke, but they did. Um, and I was laboring here by the bay window and the sun was, you know, coming up and it happened, yeah, pretty much as I as I wrote it to happen. And that's kind of been a, a big theme through, throughout my journey is that I've, through that self-healing, I've um, written my new, my new stories and um, I've created myself to be this person that I've, I've seen myself being for yeah. years and years and years. Everything I've been through and healed through prepared me to receive her. Yeah. You said earlier that you were planning a free birth. Mm. Um that you were engaging the services of uh, midwives um, or midwifery care during your pregnancy. So at the point, like near the end of your pregnancy, when you were kind of talking through birth wishes with your midwife, at that stage in the piece, were you planning to have the midwife attend your birth or were you still feeling um, that you wanted to prepare for a free birth? I my plan was that I was that I wasn't even going to need to call them mm. um, that she it was just 
going to happen like real fast. Um, and it did, but then there was a there was a piece in there in my labor where I was like, no, I need I need them. I need them just to be just to be there to hold that space. Um, which part of part of my ego is like, oh my God, you know. I I remember talking to Bella about um, that piece where um, we we feel like we we don't need people, but we actually do. And so I just I just let go of that feeling like I didn't need anyone to be there. Because um, yeah, I I didn't I honestly didn't know if if I wanted my sister to be there. I didn't know if I wanted my mum to be there. Um, but because that you know just all of that. Um, information that I had received through through the pregnancy about everyone's you know fears and stuff bringing into the the into the environment um but I just let I just had to let all that go um yeah mm. so do you want to share do you want to share the story of of Lyra's birth yeah yeah so I, I got up at 2.30 in the morning to go toilet and I was fine. Nothing nothing was happening. So, But I was 38.5 and woke up again at 3.30 and I think, oh, my gosh, I've wet the bed. And I sort of moved a little bit and there was just a big gush and I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of laid there. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And so I just got up and I just potted around the house and I think I made myself something to eat. I went to the toilet and I called my mum because I knew my mum would be up because she works on the farm. She was up at, you know, quarter to four in the morning. Um, and, yeah, I just I came and sat here at the bay window and I was listening to bird song music and just swaying on the yoga ball and feeling this surge and that they were fine at, at that point I was I could manage them um and oh it's okay <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, I I was just I was just in in the in the moment, you know. Um, and funnily enough, I didn't have credit on my phone to call the midwife, so I was I wasn't worried about that, you know. I was I was quite happy just just in my own in my own bubble for that initial um, for those initial hours. And I called my sister as well, and she got up and she it was about nine o'clock when she actually got here. Um, and I was well and truly 
but I was on the toilet then, um, just going through a contraction and um, I wasn't timing anything because I I just I wasn't bothered by that. Um, yeah. And when my sister got there, I called I called the midwives and said um, that my waters had broken hours ago. And they're like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> panicking, and I'm just like Well, I, I'm just doing this. Just keep your keep your fears over there. Motion with my hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hands are up. Like, yeah. Hold on, it's all yeah. good. Calm the fiddlesticks down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And midwives came. Well, one midwife came. Um, and she was actually a midwife that I hadn't met before. And I said on the phone, I was like, oh, I I, I told Teresa, uh, I told uh, my midwife that I didn't want this. And they reassured me that the handover that was given was, was good. And I that was at a point where that was another thing that I just had to re- let go of. Um, and I was lucky enough that, that midwife, the first midwife that came was just, oh my gosh, so amazing. So, so amazing. Um, and then, yeah, my actual midwife came at about 10.30. It was her day off and she came. Um, by that stage, I was an hour from, an hour out from pushing. Um yeah, and I just had my mum and my sister and my niece was there and Zayden was there. They were in the room. They could hear everything that was going on. They were coming in and out. And um, Yeah, it, it wasn't until um, I started things that really started ramping up about looking back at my notes at 11, 11 a.m., and I remember all of the stuff that I was that I was working through still then in my mind of um, you know her dad not being there and and of my last relationship and all of that stuff and um, yeah talking myself through that and releasing that with the contraction. I don't know that that's just what I was doing um yeah and then when she was crowning I just went into this karanga like this hall this whale and my mum was like wow and the midwives were saying oh you're calling her and I was just bringing her from from the stars you know yeah it was it was very intense because it was it was quite fast like I feel like I didn't get any get a break at all Mm. but that's how I wrote it to be I wanted it to be quick (laughs) and just yeah yeah so she was birthed and 
How did you feel in that moment? Um, I think I felt relief and I just, I was, I was so, um, I don't even know the word for it, but it's just, it was this feeling of, oh my God, my, my daughter's finally here with me. Mm. You know, it, it's taken this long and I, I was actually so exhausted. Mm. But not, you know, we do, we are exhausted from birth, but I was exhausted from that, from that whole journey so yeah. big kids are getting there and you can see it on my face and in, in the photos mm. just absolutely buggered <laughs> but mm. in a good way mm. yeah in a good way the mental game of it of it all is just phenomenal you know yeah. the things that you have to the things that you that you process because yeah I mean I, I don't bat anything away anymore because I you know I just I learned that that's not the way to go so you process it you deal with it mm. you feel it you heal it yeah wow and how empowering is that right like when we gift ourselves the ability to realize that our healing is is all from within and is all um uh, you know it's our responsibility it's like well that feels like a lot but it's also like i you know i'm not dependent on anything outside of myself yes. to live my life the way that i want to live it you know that i deserve to live it yeah Wow. Beautiful. So she's born and you're absolutely spent. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you are then embarking on a journey of solo motherhood. You've got a yeah. 13, just in 13 year old son, um beautiful little daughter. How has your how old is Lyra now? She's eight weeks now. Eight weeks. Mm. Yeah. So, how has this first eight weeks of solo motherhood been for you, Kayla? What has been the challenges? Um, what has helped? What could you do with more of? Yeah. Talk us through that. It's. I don't want to say that it, it's been hard, but that's, again, that's that's just that fucking sugarcoating and putting fluffy shit over it. And I see that a lot online and it stops and it has stopped me from, you know, sharing like a lot of the raw, the raw truth of, of it because a lot of people are, you know, do have that adult, so other adult support twenty four seven with their with their husbands or partners and um <laughs> I often get a bit iffy about that um, because it's not painting this this real picture of of it and I've struggled a lot even though I have my family around it they they've been so supportive so so supportive but 
having that having someone else having another adult in the home with you 20 24/7 is something that I have been well not not having an, an adult in the house 24/7 another adult um, I've really been struggling with that because you know like like now I haven't brushed my teeth I had cold porridge I uh, there's shit everywhere there's um, I was experiencing you know not wanting to be alone and for me I love being alone I you know I it didn't used to bother me but postpartum for me has been quite um, yeah like I I want people to I want to be around people because um you know I when my midwife said oh this is our last visit and I was like oh my god you know nothing to look forward to mm. that kind of thing and sometimes not eating because you know I'm wearing her or or she's not sleeping and I'm laying down with her and I'm like, fuck, I'm starving. And there's nobody, you know, Zan's at school. There's nobody here to support me with that. Mm. Mm. Um, at the same time, my journey has taught me that if there's nobody around, then I become very resourceful. Um and that's how I've that's how I've had to manage most days is you know plan and prepare things and um, let go of that this idea that every day is the same mm. and just embrace change mm. and every day not looking the same. Yeah. Mm. It's such. like a shame that I mean we're designed to be in community when mm. we are new mothers to be gathering with our sisterhood of other mothers and you know sharing the responsibility sharing the load of all the stuff yeah. <laughs> but we're not supposed to be alone at this incredibly vulnerable like mm. overwhelming time in our lives and it's we just do such a disservice to our the well-being of our new families mm. um, the well-being of our society <laughs> of our world yeah I just disregarding the needs of new families and new mothers mm. and and I would say the new babies but actually the babies are fine so long as we are looking after the mothers you know we've we've got all that they need within us when we are feeling whole and loved and supported and honored and respected and nurtured yeah yeah 
that's why I created um, the home birth group in the community that in the community that I'm in because what's the home birth group? Um, so it's just a it's a group for um, mums or families that um, are interested and they're passionate about home birth um, because I was there's a lot of um, you know mums groups and pregnancy groups and stuff like that but in this in the area that I'm in um, in North Otago there's from um, South Canterbury to um, down by Dunedin, there's there's nothing, there's no support outside of the system for mums to just who are passionate about home birth and things like that to come and feel safe and supported and connect with like-minded other like-minded families. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, with Home Birth Aotearoa, um, I created that group. And we just, and we have been meeting fortnightly. Um, Obviously, I haven't been for a few months now. Um, But, yeah. Mm. I feel like this has also been a um, season of me creating what I want to see in the world as well and what and what we actually need to to honor our mothers and, and new families and to bring that connection back with everyone because everyone's so busy in their own lives and if I can show so, my dad just went past. <laughs> Um, if I can show people how to support other people because I support myself um, healthily healthily then we can start to bring this back into the communities as well how does healthy self support look so it's it's not about being it's sort of this the thing where there's codependence and then there's independence and then there's interdependence. So supporting yourself um, in a healthy way would be from an interdependent um, standpoint where we accept help from others and we ask for help from others and there's no um there's no qualms about it you know there's there, there may still be a little bit of guilt there because it's just human we're just human but everyone just supports themselves and they and then we can support each other it's all about the community thriving as you, as you were saying, alluding to before, um, if, if we are good, our children are good. Mm. Not good, but if we are healthy mm. and well, our overall, our, our overall well-being, can't speak now, mm. um, 
the, the kids in the community thrive and then the and then you know everything outside of that starts to thrive and yeah. however however um wide that community is then hopefully it can reach a, a larger group of people yes and my hopes is that it'll just be a different world <laughs> we won't have this world that we're currently in yeah yeah you you mentioned earlier when you were talking about preparing for birth you were like the focus wasn't on you know making a nursery up and having the baby shower and doing all those sort of cultural norms that are part that feed into that narrative of um lack of self-care really um lack of mm. trusting your inner knowings and those sorts of things right like lack of honoring um your needs as as a mother and the baby's needs as a new baby um and your needs as a as a dyad as a you know a mother yeah. baby <laughs> yeah. um but um I suspect that also has fed into the way that you have the things you have prioritized that perhaps look a little different to, you know, your sort of typical families out there um, and in the postpartum. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right now, you know, like I would love, to go and sort my feet out because they are honestly so they need it and they're in need of attention and I'd love to go and get my hair done and I'd love to like put makeup on and have nice photos taken and but this is the thing with society is that that shit is just you know it's it's beautiful for us to to be able to have those opportunities those options and for us to give that to ourselves mm -hmm. but um yeah the it's this um that stuff is all material you know it's those aren't my priorities my priorities are chiropractic care um making sure that i have really good food um making sure that i that I had bone broths and and I had all of that type of nutrition going. Um, uh, what else? Prioritizing your ability to connect with and respond to your baby as well I I suspect like I'm looking at you like the whole time we have been talking you uh, you've had um Lyra in, in this like front pack and you've been rocking and swaying and tending to her needs and she's been like making little cooey noises occasionally and you're stroking her on the head and like I'm like I'm seeing somebody who is parenting in a really responsive way and the way that we are encouraged to parent or sort of like uh, you know sort of culturally sort of socialized to believe mm. parenting looks like is quite different to that right like 
you know, we need to put babies down and their cot to to sleep so that we don't create a rod for our own back and they need to learn to self-soothe and um and these sorts of narratives that mm-hmm. um that are very much disconnecting us from our intuitive mothering, um, what we instinctively know we need to do to uh to parent our baby the way that they need to be parented. And so I suspect that a lot of your priorities revolve around you making yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically available for that role. Yeah. Yeah, that that's been that's been a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Um especially it just being me. That's been a real challenge. And, you know, I've had the mum rage, definitely, I, you know. Um, and then there's also the the opinions of others and, you know, bless them because they, you know, it's you often hear that, oh, um, we were, you know, we raised, we raised kids like this and they're fine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. No, they're not fine. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, it's I didn't think that I could I didn't think that I could be this this kind of mother. But it's just it's so because I was a completely different person with, with Satan. And I I did wonder how I was going to go with her because I was so I was the detached parent with Zayden um he was an amazing amazing baby amazing amazing kid um very easy um where yeah um Lyra is I'm being asked to parent in a very like you say responsive responsive way with her um, and shut out all of the because it, it this does feel natural to me mm. it, it does um, but then you also have to there's also the outside noise of of what other people are saying and oh do this and do that and then there's also the information age and social media and it's a lot mm. how have and, you dealt with the darkest times when that rage surfaces and or the the loneliness feels I let myself I I have to let myself cry and I have to um I have to call I call my nan or I call my mum um and yeah yeah, I also have to be mindful of who I call because not everyone's supportive. Mm. And that that's very tough. Mm. Especially when you know when you know how to support yourself and you know what what you need and you know, you know, and you're not receiving that, it's very hard. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I wonder. Um, yeah. No, I, I was just gonna say that I I really had to um, just keep communication open with even with friends. So like, um, 
I'm so grateful for the online connections that I have because those are the ones that have have um, oh really really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The digital age has its hazards, but it also has um, yeah a, a beautiful way of connecting us even when we are not um, in in close yeah. proximity and of learning and supporting one another from from a distance, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and being witnessed in our journey by people who um, who are on the same wavelength is, is huge. You know, yeah. here you are sharing a, an incredibly vulnerable story with, like, goodness knows how many people are going to listen to this, this mm. us ultimately. But, you know, like... Yeah, it is. There are. It's, it also brings this this beautiful connection piece um, that can be that can be helpful too. I wonder how your journey uh, from you know, let's say Zayden's birth to where you're at now has impacted Zayden as well. He was present at Lyra's birth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like him witnessing you doing the hard yards, do, doing the the inner work, um, really shifting your priorities, changing changing up the way that you're choosing to live your life, and um, yeah, I I just I wonder, I wonder as well. Yeah, I bet yeah. I, I bet it's been huge. Mm. I, I wonder because you know obviously <clears throat> I I probably won't I won't know until he's much older until mm. some of these things maybe start to play out and things he has experienced um, but I I would hope that me not hiding anything from him and you know crying in front of him and um, asking for us showing him how to support yourself and how to look after yourself and um by me being that example I hope that you know that has been my intention since I started doing this work is that um, I show him a different way um, because his his background you know um what he's what he's been born into is not very um you know it, there's there's challenges there yeah yeah um and he's what i what i see of him now is he's so supportive of me he's so respectful he he um tells me he loves me all the time and he He's a big help around around the house with me, and um, yeah, I hope that that shows him how to be an amazing, supportive, you know, father if he goes on to be a father and, and a husband or partner. Mm. Yeah. Has he shared with you at all how it was for him attending the birth of his sister? No, yeah. no. He's just he's just he's been very boy, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Kayla, um, oh gosh, this has been like <laughs> amazing, amazing sharing that you that you've offered here. Are you? I know you know Lyra's only eight weeks old, so this may not be something that you've really felt in too much yet. But are you planning to get back into your womb doula work um, down the track? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I thought that I would be back much sooner, but I'm just going with what is feeling right in the moment. So if I'm if I'm going by seasons, I feel like I'm in a very spring season at the moment, and I have kind of connected that each week is now. Um, so if it was because day six is when you transition into spring in your in your infradian cycle in your menstrual cycle, I'm I'm feeling into that week six is also the start of spring, and because that's just how it feels. Right. Um. So right now I'm just re-emerging, you know. Yeah being very curious and all of these ideas flowing in and a lot of a little bit more movement and actually because I'm because I'm not the same person I was before I had her um, what does this all look like now and my Instagram feed feels foreign and I'm just yeah I Mm. will be back into that but I just yeah I'm just going with it. If people want to follow you on social media, because um, you have started, do you have started putting the old post uh, on there again mm. more recently? Um, yeah. What's I mean, we'll put the we'll put the link in the show notes. But what's your Instagram handle? The Womb Doula. The Womb Doula. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, great. I've got one final question for you. Um, mm. I like to ask lots of my interviewees this. Um, if you could go back to the pre-motherhood version of yourself, Kayla, which, you know, it's going back in time a little bit, but um, and offer her one piece of wisdom, what do you think it would be? Get to know who you are outside of what um outside of what society expects you to be yeah beautiful yes what an incredible journey that has been eh Mm. getting to know yourself yeah getting into your authenticity yeah creating a relationship with yourself actually having a relationship with yourself yeah, developing that trust um, through following your intuition and strengthening that, and fo- yeah, following your own path. Yeah, mm. I love that so much. Ah, oh, this has been beautiful. <laughs> what, a way, what a way to start my Friday, anyway. <laughs> thank you so much thank you 
thank you for listening to this episode of the Healing Birth Podcast. If you like what you heard, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others. Or if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website healingbirth.co.nz. I'd love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in working or training together. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.